On Inside Motorsport this week, we speak with Jacob Black from Speed TV Australia. And of course, uh, well, a, one of the biggest fans I know of the Dakar Rally. And, and Peter Hansel has just dominated that rally for so long. He uh, once again did the job in the, the first major motorsporting event of 2012. Yeah, Peter Hansel picked it up and walked away with it, Craig, didn't he? It was, um, it was never really headed in the in the minis for, uh, put together by X-Ray Motorsport there. And, um, yeah, scored his 10th win, his fourth in cars and after scoring six on motorbikes. And there's a reason they call him Mr. Dakar. It is amazing that uh, he has been able to be so successful. And it, it's been with different brands. And as you said, two and four wheels as well. It, it must make him one of the most successful racing drivers of, uh, of any uh, individual event of all time. Well, yeah, it, it would have to make him one of, one, of the most, uh, one of the most impressive. I wouldn't know the stats right off the top of my head, but... Definitely, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone that's had as much success and crossover success as well, because the Dakar Rally is a very different event on a motorbike to what it is in a car, and um, and it really is the equivalent of switching from a world superbike or a MotoGP to a Formula One or a rally car, and that's uh, and that's what he's done. So it's. It's, it's incredibly impressive that he's managed to do it, and not only just do it once or twice to prove it was a fluke, but to do it, you know, six times on a bike, four times in a car. Um, it, you know, there's a reason why, like I said before, why they call him Mr. Dakar. Mm. And that mini, that the minis that he was running, he was he was always faster and smoother than everyone else in the minis, even. Um, and it was only really the the Hummer of Robbie Gordon that could get near him in terms of pace. And it was interesting because the minis were absolutely dominating the event. Uh, halfway through, or even more than halfway through, they had the first three placings and uh, were looking like they were going to sweep the podium. But uh, trouble late in the race for one of those minis saw that uh, Royal Robbie Gordon, uh, who I think ended up crashing out in the second last day of the event, uh, was able to put it to him. Yeah, Robbie Gordon um, showed an enormous amount of speed and definitely got fired up when the hoopla around his uh, his tyre inflation system came to light and he was disqualified. So he raced the last four stages under protest. Um, he did crash on the second last day and, and was able to rejoin, but that was the end of his his challenge. Uh, he finished that stage, I think, two hours behind and, and that was the end of his, his attempts to, to upset the minis. But... Yeah, it was uh, it was a really dominant performance from the minis early on. They they definitely came out of the blocks running. Robbie Gordon was being uh, held up by Nasser Alatia's problems, um, and and that's probably what gave the minis a bit of a break early on. Um, and in the end, it was just the 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 reliability of those cars and the smoothness of them that really kept them right out the front ahead of everyone else. Mm. And if, if, I think there was only one of those cars actually had any major mechanical drama, and that was the, the Christoph Hollowitz uh, car. And that was after that someone buried one in a puddle, uh, someone else rolled one, and they and they still just kept on trucking. So really reliable vehicles. Mm. The Dakar Rally, of course, is an event that you've been able to go over and cover on a number of occasions. Logistically, there is nothing like it spanning across South America, uh, what is it, four countries of South America that it now crosses in its current format? That's right. So this year was uh, was three countries. Next year will be four. 
for the first time uh, in South America. Uh, it's been the two that I went on. We only had to go to Argentina and Chile, but I, I say only where it's ten thousand odd kilometres, you know, across from Buenos Aires and back on those two loops. This year, instead of doing the loop, it went across the the continent to Chile and then north turned north and headed up into Peru and some just spectacular scenery. But it actually the logistical dramas were really well highlighted in the middle of of this year's edition when a snowfall at the top of the Andes actually closed one of the Chilean border crossings and it wasn't so much that the stage couldn't be raced on, it was the fact that the advanced vehicles that go on to set up the next bivouac and the next campsite for the next day actually couldn't make it across the border uh, the night before and so they couldn't actually run that stage and had to send everyone over in a convoy uh, the next morning and get the campsite set up that way. It is... So it is yeah. Well, uh, as big a logistical job it is is to set up each stage each day, it's also extremely difficult for reporters to be able to cover the event and to be able to get the information about what's going on each day out into the uh, public sphere. And obviously with the advancements of internet coverage and satellite coverage, this job is made somewhat easier, but you're still battling a tremendous amount of difficulties and technical issues. Well, that's right. I mean, it's, uh, to, if you want to use the the only real reliable internet sources, probably with the organisers, but that's nine and a half thousand euro, and that's regardless if you're a reporter or a competitor who wants to use their internet transmissions to get stuff back out to home. So that's a that's a big cost, and um, what a lot of the the riders and drivers and teams are doing is is stopping in the towns between stages and and on the assistance routes and finding some some internet somewhere to get their information out because the campsites are out in the middle of the desert and the, the coverage is not good um, unless you've got a satellite phone. And, and also the fact that there's just not that much time. You have to drive, even as a reporter, it's a 750-kilometre, sometimes 1,100-kilometre drive from bivouac to bivouac uh, to set up, get your interviews, find the drivers, make... That's if your drivers that you need to interview have actually made it back to the campsite for that night. Write the story, transmit the story. So it's, uh, it's definitely a logistical challenge and a bit of a nightmare, but God, it's fun. It's an enormous amount of fun. It follow, this uh, Actually, this topic follows on to when we were speaking to Richard Kral just a few weeks ago about how he sees the future of media coverage of not only events like the Dakar, but also motorsport in general, where it doesn't have that mainstream appeal that will solidify television ratings. And he was uh, putting a premise forward, which I think you at speedtv.com.au would have uh, an interesting take on, because he's saying that we are going to see more and more free access to motor racing live, but through the power of the internet and using the streaming functions that are now able to produce television quality programs to your uh, computer, which can then be plugged into your television. That's dead right, and that's something that we actually did this weekend with the Rolex 24-hour. We had uh, we had coverage supplementing our TV coverage on speedtv.com.au throughout the first eight hours and the final eight hours of the race, and in the intervening period in the middle in the overnight coverage where Speed TV in the US uh, stopped their television coverage and we stopped our television coverage. Um, you could only watch it uh, with four cameras, a full camera cut and commentary from the 
the great guys at Radio Le Mans uh, overnight via our website um, online. And that's that's definitely something that will move forward as, as production costs come down for that sort of broadcast. Um, accessibility goes up and it saves uh, television stations from probably having to put in a lot more expense than what's really necessary for or what's warranted for some of the, the more niche interest events. And mm. I think that that's a great way to go and it, it's accessible for everyone and, and it means that we can have more motorsport and more coverage more widely accessible. Mm. Now, another, another thing that has augmented the coverage and what you were very much involved with last year's Mount Panorama Bathurst 1000 with Speed TV taking a separate feed back to the United States, you at speedtv.com.au was doing a blog as the race was unfolding. So not only did people have what the commentators had access to through the pictures and through the information being fed to them, but you were providing a secondary source that fans could monitor, not only here in Australia, but particularly I know it was very well received in the United States. Thanks for your kind words, first of all. But, um, yeah, that, that's correct. Those sorts of uh, cross-media uh, platforms are, are what people are clamouring for now. Nobody in this day and age wants to sit and passively watch a television race or, or television coverage of any event. I think people want to be involved. And, and where you put the internet and media... the yeah, When you put online media next to television broadcasts, it's a really great marriage because... It gives people access to that great vision and the great production of of these events, as well as the ability to, to be involved in the broadcast, to ask questions, to find out more. And that was particularly important, as you said, at Bathurst last year, where a lot of the American viewers who are new to V8 Supercars uh, needed things you know, explained or, or had questions at different times throughout the day that the commentators may have covered or may not have covered yet, but we were able to field those questions and also provide a little bit more insight that just supplemented the TV coverage. And that's that's the great power of, of the internet uh, presence that we've got. And that's why the internet and broadcasters is increasingly uh, integrating. And I think that that's a great thing for, for not only motorsport, but for all sport and for, for even events like political events and things, um, you know, where you've got television broadcast and online coverage married up together. What do you think in the short term we will see with motorsport and internet slash television slash cable television with the Speed TV channel and what now uh, one year or one and a bit years old? Well, I think that you'll, you'll definitely see a lot more, a lot more like I just said, the, the integration. So I think that you'll, you'll definitely see more opportunities for fans to be involved in broadcasts and uh, the Rolex 24 Hours, again, was a, was a great example of that with some of the Twitter integration that the guys at Speed in the USA were, were pulling through there. Um, I think that you'll see a lot more access to, to different camera angles and different cuts and things that will be put through the internet, like when there's in-car driver cams, sort of like what we used to run on or still do sometimes run on hot paths for, for NASCAR, and NASCAR actually do a really good thing on their website where for most races there's, you can select your driver and, and if he's got the in-car camera, you can just sit and watch his in-car camera the entire race and as well as the TV coverage. So it's, I think that you'll just find this broadening of, of products that are offered to fans and, and I, I think that that's... Obviously, I think that can only be a good thing, but um, 
in terms of the way that some of that product will be delivered because the internet's now so accessible and fast and, and a lot of people have access to rapid internet, um, a lot of streamed footage, and that means more diverse footage and, and more footage that that's more cost-effective to deliver for fans as well. Mm. Well, it's an interesting topic which we could talk a lot more about, Jacob, but I thank you for your time today. I know that uh, Dakar is a, a very... Uh, an event that's very close to your heart and uh, I appreciate you summing it up for us today. No, thank you, Craig. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.